Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Alright guys, welcome to this episode of our weekly podcast. Hello everyone. Hi. I'm David Flatman. How are you all? I know right. you can't answer, but just you know, nod. Or... I'm David Flatman. Do it I'm properly. Tom Shanklin. Alright Tom. We've got to keep changing it. Alright. Um, yeah. Right, before we start anything, a little bit of news for you listeners out there. We are going to Esquire Townhouse. Yes. Next Thursday in London, Carlton House Terrace, London. Have I said it's London? It's London. We are doing a live podcast with actor and comedian Tom Davis. Now, yes. Now, now, now then, now. No, I can't say that. Yeah, of course you can. Um, you can say now then. You're allowed to say now then. In a funny accent? Not in his accent, no. Oh, I didn't. But basically, Esquire magazine is cool. We're cool. And they recognise stylish men when they see them. But they every year, they basically take over a big townhouse kind of venue in town and they do some really really cool stuff loads of cool stuff but the live podcast what we are doing from 6 till 7 30 is going to be the coolest thing there yes for sure yeah and afterwards by the way mark durden smith is hosting a sort of a really informal q a with clive woodward i think simon shaw's going as well but like tom odell played there last year they have massive events so it is it is genuinely really really cool Odell was on um celebrity juice oh was he yeah is he funny Yes, he was. Um, but when you say his name really quickly, it sounds like some sort of medicine. Tomadell. Tomadell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some Tomadell. Some Tomadell. That's yeah. good. Um, I know. Sounds like a laxative. But it, so it's really, really cool for us to be asked. And the tickets are a tenner each, which so it's not very much. Go to www. which stands for World Wide Web, esquiretownhouse.co.uk. We will put the link up on our Twitter feed in a bit. Um, as we said, it, spaces are limited. It's £10. Um, but... You can't put a price on pure belly laughter, can you? Well, you can actually. It's, it's tenor. Uh, but Tom Davis, lots of you will know who, who he is. Go on Twitter or whatever, but try, if you can, to watch 
a couple of episodes of Murder in Successville. Can I just say one thing? It's quite difficult to watch them um, because they're not on BBC iPlayer. They're not on Netflix. They're not on iTunes. But you can find them on YouTube. You can download them. Please watch them. They're really good. He's also on Plebs. Yeah, the, the two, the two best, the two best murder and successful episodes. The three best are in third place, Greg James. Second place, Deborah Meaden. The bit in bed is just brilliant. I just love Deborah Meaden anyway. Maria then, and <laughs> and Paul's beat me to it. And the best one is Vicky Pattinson, whom I, I I didn't actually know. I'm not really up on celebrity culture. She was absolutely brilliant. Like you just. You've got to watch it. So we've been wanting to get uh, Big Tom D's called on Twitter. We've been wanting to get Tom Davis on something for ages because massively we just think he's brilliant and hilarious. And we're going to talk a bit about rugby in the live pod, but probably not that much more about him mucking about for a living. Yeah, exactly. So that's coming up. And that's, that's, that's really on, cool. Um, it's Thursday. Thursday. What, is, what is the date on Thursday, Dave? It's the 11th it's of the October. 11th. Um, we will put the link on Twitter, so make sure you go on that. But also, we've got some other news now. England, New Zealand, and England, Australia. So you're talking the 10th of November, the 24th of November. A great date, the 24th of November. Is that your birthday? Guilty. Is it? Guilty. 39. We're doing live breakfast pods for the autumn tests uh, in association with Guinness and the Bear Pub Twickenham. Guess yep. where the venue is? Is it the... Be- it's mm. the Bear Pub in Twickenham, which I believe is on York Street, which is Twickenham High Street. I think it's numbers 26 to 28. Anyway... Yes, um, we're going to do it in the morning. So before the test, we do it. we're going to open the doors at 9am, looking for a 9.45am start, finish about half 11. We're going to have some great guests. There's going to be some sort of breakfast roll included in the price, maybe well, like, a drink. Something like a bacon butty and a coffee or a pint, something like that, yeah. depending on what you want in the morning. Prices are TBC at the moment. It's going to be between 15 and £20. Um, tickets will be available this Wednesday, which is what date, Dave? The 10th. Well done. Of October, thank you. Um, we'll put the link on Twitter. Make sure you follow that. Spaces are going to be limited. We're going to have some, as I said, some amazing guests. I believe Justin Marshall, he's in for the New Zealand game. If we, if we, I know it's we've got to make sure he's around, and we, we hopefully he is, but if we can get Justin Marshall, I actually think that is a real coup because you and I know him as, everyone else listening knows him as one of the greatest players, all blacks of all time. Captain. Captain. You, we all, everyone also knows him as one of the very best co-commentators in in Test rugby, and you and I know him as an absolute ladatron on the lagers. So he's actually just a great fun bloke to be around. And I've done a few things with him, and he doesn't, he didn't know me from Adam because I didn't play anywhere near his level. But geez, what a good bloke! Absolutely great bloke, the champ. Um, yeah, yeah the champ. so we're it's, gonna it, finish around. By the, oh, by the way, it's in association yep. with Guinness and the Bear Pub in Twickenham. I think I said that. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just making a ticking box. You know what I'm like. But we're going to finish about half 11, so it's going to be a couple of hours in the morning. Won't really cut into your day. Won't cut into any of Flats' corporate work he's doing. Your corporate work. At the stadium. It's not even my stadium, mate. It's your stadium. You played there. It's your home club. Home nation. Mm. Um, but if there are any gigs going, uh, count me in, yeah? Yeah, okay, I'll sort you out. I mean, I have beaten Australia in 2008, so, you know, it's coming from oh, with, um, a position of strength. I had to do this thing for the Saints, uh, Saints Leicester game at the weekend. The guys from Saints called me and said, "Can you just put together a, your idea of the current players, the best Saints squad, the best, sorry, the best squad of combining this, this Saints squad and the Leicester squad?" Yeah. So I basically was, I almost had a whole Leicester front row, 
um, of I think it was like Genge, Cole, and and Youngzi, and I was like, I've got to I've got to change one of them. And for me, the Tigers props are superior at this stage. So I've got to change the hooker and put Dylan in because he's got the United caps. It works. And then Brett Deacon, the Tigers defence coach, walks past me. He said, Youngzi's going to kill you, mate, at <laughs> the weekend. I said, why is that guy? He's looking for you. And he was joking, I think. And then Tom Youngs walks past me when we're doing TV. And he's like, oi, shakes my hand. And he's like, oi, what the, what, mate, come on. <laughs> like, and he shook me. And he was, he was mucking about. But he shook my hand. And I was like, on, we wouldn't think, because you and I are strong men compared to most men. Defo. He shook my hand. And I was like, whoa. Like that is a strong muscular bit of kit, and can I just take that back and reselect Tom Youngs, please? How alpha you was he? He didn't have to try that hard because I'm like I'll be about six inches taller than Youngsy, but I reckon he'd knock my teeth out. Great anecdote, but has nothing to do with the live events we're promoting. But thank you. No, but if you want, if it kicks off, he's going to be there to fill you in. Okay, get out. I'd say yeah. Love your mode of transport today. Yeah, are you happy with the hog? I mean, I thought the bike would be a little bit bigger, but then you're quite a large gentleman yourself, so maybe you dwarf it a little bit. Well, I've swapped bikes. I mean, it looks like a kind of bike that would have learner stickers on. You know, I thought I was going to see this huge steroid-injected Triumph, but as it is, it's... That is a very cool bike. It is cool. It is cool. I did have a um, Bobber Black, which is a Triumph, Triumph Bobber Black, which is really, really cool, and a bit wider, a bit lower... This is a Street Scrambler 900. Um, they've just revealed they're about to release a 1200, which will be a seriously cool bike. Um, How did you find riding on the motorway? Smooth? Yeah, easy. How's your back? Yeah, fine. Does your back hurt when you ride a bike? No. I haven't right. experienced that yet. I thought it might actually. Do you go low? Like, do you get in the I, racing position? I, or do I, you, tuck are you in, I tuck in like through me on the way down the mountains. <laughs> uh, no, I just don't go very fast, to be honest. What about if someone sees you? Are you like scared to wave? You've got to put your hand up and then quickly back down. <laughs> yeah. thing is, if you wave with your right hand, that's your throttle. Yeah. So what we do in the, in the trade is we nod at each other. Yeah. Bro. But also, I mean, no you one... You can't use your eyebrows like you just did. One no, no, no. You can, but they don't know you are. But the thing is, no one knows... If you see anyone you know, they don't know it's you because you've got a helmet on. So... Apart from you've got flats on the back of your jacket. <laughs> yeah. Flats and one. I, yeah, flats one, um, flatman one, bath colours on the back. Um, but yeah, this, this I've swapped it for a street scrambler, which is a very, very cool bike, and I like it. How I fast really do you care. go? Seventy miles an hour tops. I do today. I was. I mean, it's only a couple of junctions down, and I'm not really much a motorway cruiser to be honest. But it's just, just was the best way to get here. But because um, of the traffic, yeah, yeah, yeah. So nipping out of Bath is fine, and then probably seventy, seventy-five. I actually don't go any quicker than that because it's just it's, it's illegal to go over seventy. So yeah, I know. It's not, I mean, I know from overtaking, but there are lots of bikes ripping past me, but they're they're not they're not naked. So that's a naked bike, so it's got no fairing. So if you see the bikes, all the sort of bodywork around the front, you feel a lot less of the speed on there. So I would imagine that ninety miles an hour on that would feel pretty quick. So what's the, what's the there's a little jar on the top of your bike? It looks like some sort of eucalyptus mint. That's brake fluid. Oh, brake fluid is it? Yeah. All oh, right. I wasn't sure. I'm not. Uh... Not yeah. a biker yet. Wakey, wakey. Although I might, I might turn into a biker for your 40th. Well, f- thinking maybe 50th now. Really? Yeah, to put it off a bit because it's going to be a really expensive trip for yeah. everyone. And it's like we might. I mean, Flats watched this film called Wild Hogs and he <laughs> watched it and he thought, right, that's exactly what I do with my mates. <laughs> that's it. Just... I thought 40th, but now I'm thinking 50th. Just basically get a select, an elite squad like the A-team and just say, right, lads, you've all got to get your motorbike licenses if you don't want to that's fine but I want to go on a motorbike trip like a slow 
Like a crack commando unit sent to yeah, yeah. prison by military court for a crime they didn't commit. <laughs> exactly like that. We had to promptly escape from a maximum security um, stockade to Los Angeles Underground. You'll be like BA, obviously. But so it, yeah, eventually I want to ride up the um, the west coast of the States. Reasonably unoriginal, but it's something I really want to do. So haven't spoken to Triumph about it yet, but hopefully they're going to, in about twelve years' time, going to give us uh, all a bike, twelve bikes. Um, but I might go to Ibiza. Oh, really? Yeah, or Vegas. Go to Ibiza. Don't go to Vegas. Okay, fine. I've never been to Vegas, but Vegas is just pure hardcore. Whereas in Ibiza, you can actually have a really nice time and chill. Um, yeah, that's why I want. You know, I was thinking about going with all my mates to the old town and just having some nice food and some Mateus wine. <laughs> Take a what I mean of books. is. What I mean is, if you have a heavy day the day before, you don't have to, it's not like, bang, straight on it, because we're lads. It's like, she go for a really nice, boozy lunch. I was thinking more like going to Delilah's Welsh bar there and arm wrestling for drinks. <laughs> Sign a shirt, put it up there. There you are. Yeah, first round on me. Uh, yeah, so there you go. We're all, we're hogs now, aren't we? Yeah. I was expecting, when I pulled in here, I was expecting to see you with your phone filming <laughs> me like you normally do at Paddington. <laughs> oh, I've got a... Proper montage. Every time we meet in Panton Station, I'm always there earlier, standard. Uh, but I always hide around the corner, and he's walking through the barriers, and I've always, I'm always videoing him. And he's just got this aggressive walk. He's not aggressive, but he's got an aggressive walk. No, I haven't. You have. Um, it's just your lats. You've got big lats, and people who've got big lats can't really walk with their arms by the side of them. So no. that's why they come out a little bit. I sometimes, like on the TV stuff, see myself walking, and I'm like, oh, God, I walk like one of those carpet under your arm knobs but actually that is just how I walk you walk like you belong in gold gym I don't walk like a bodybuilder I walk like a, a heavier gent and oh, I a bit of a, your dad's got a similar walk so yeah he's 73 he's not trying to be a, anyway anyway yes okay I've got a funny walk what have you been up to then boyo um, good good question Dave um, thank I you I went and had a great day last Thursday in Sunningdale Golf Club. It was Delalio Works Foundation. So that's the charity set up by Lawrence Delalio. Um, we had his golf day at Sunningdale. Amazing day. It would be at Sunningdale for Big Lol, wouldn't it? I mean, he's gone to other places before. Um, it's been in Portugal. I think it's been in Spain. Yeah, but he's not going to muck about, is he, Lol? No, but I sort of wish I was invited on one of them because I was invited to the UK one. You know, because yeah, everyone loves an away trip. Yeah, but, but that is... It's a great yeah. course. It's a great course. Yeah. It's in great condition. Uh, there was Tom and Max Evans were there. I played with them in a in a four ball with an, a guy who worked for the Dalio Foundation. Tom, can't remember his surname. I thought he was actually one of the success stories of Dalio Works. I mean, one of the kids that had been deprived and you know they found work and relocated him, but he was actually he actually worked for the foundation. Um. Was that awkward at any point? That's like I'm not. I want you to carry on with telling me what you're doing, but that's like the time uh, our mate Matt Powell turned up at Worcester Warriors for the first time, and they'd signed him as a scrum half. And he asked, um, he asked the caretaker where he could get some cones and some balls to do some passing before whatever. And the guy said he didn't know, and he's like, "Mate, all I want is some balls. Like, where's the where'd you keep all your kit and your whatever and your grounds and kit sort of thing?" And he's like. The name's Cecil Duckworth. He was chairman. <laughs> <laughs> it's, ah, so I was about that. Anyway. Yeah. But we were we were all sat down and the, one of the guys was sorting out the V-Pass. So the V-Pass is like a little phone, right? And it gives you a current score and who's leading and everything. And uh, he came over to Max and Tom Evans and said, right, guys, um, you're football, you're in charge of um, 
of the VPAR, one of you can. Um, and by the way, do you know where Tom Shanklin is? I'm sat right there. I'm like, no. Come on, mate. You know it's me, don't you? You're just joking, aren't you? Oh, no. He was joking, of course. Was he? He knew. He, yeah. I, wow. Um, <laughs> Let's hope so. Rob Henderson was there as well. Jerry Guskett. So we did a bit of a Q&A after. Georgie Bingham from Talk Sport. A real nice day. Amazing food. Great course. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win. I won longest drive. Did you? Yeah. You often win that. No, no, not always. I mean... You do thump it. How how, how far did you drive it? Oh, I don't know, mate. Probably. You know exactly. All right. A 390 carry and then another 20 yards on top of that uphill against wind. How but far did you hit it? I don't know. You don't know. Like, I, d- I couldn't tell you. A long way. Are they just say longest drive? I mean, Max and Tom can hit the ball a, a long way as well. But it's not as this, far as you. No, they probably could, but I was straighter, you know, because it's quite hard sometimes to exactly pinpoint where you want the ball but before we teed off on the longest drive which was on the 18th hole they said do you want to enter and it's 50 pound to enter and you could win i thought it said a gym tour and i thought well uh, why do i want a gym tour you know i'm i live in one that's <laughs> <laughs> a golf ball natural habitat but it was actually a gin tour around london oh. so i didn't enter but i won it so i unfortunately i couldn't win the prize and a, a younger guy who was sort of 1920 he was trying to get on the european tour he was second i mean i outdrove him as a bit a little bit embarrassing that's embarrassing for him yeah uh, but he won a lovely golf bag so i'm i'm slightly gutted i didn't enter it now but i mean i'm a celeb there god should i have to pay no i'm doing a q and a after you should pay me yeah you should have to pay for doing a q and a so we did a lovely q and a i know it's charity but come on mum bayfield hosted the q and a lovely food um i suppose bayfs was a bit was he a bit nervous up there and yeah yeah you could tell i think it might have been his first it's not really his, his environment is it he got up the there he got up there and stood and he said right can everyone see me <laughs> <laughs> seven foot tall but what was what was he's, but he's the best of the best isn't he yeah he is i mean you're up there but what was nice to see there was that justin rose was, was there not on the golf day but he was there playing with matt dawson they got a big group and they sort of every couple of years i think say 10, 12 of them play different courses around the world, potentially, or Europe. But they were there in their own sort of party. And, um, I mean, uh, he said, all right, Shanks. I said, yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah. So that was a Pro 14. Oh, that's good, mate. Do you see the, uh, do you see any of the Welsh derbies? No, 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 no. But um, loves his rugby. You wanted a photo, but I had a shave. Um, I, said I no. think I just zoned out. Who are we talking about here? Yeah, exactly. Who? Tell me. Justin Rose. Oh, Rosie? Yeah. Rosie was there? Rosemeister. Jeepers. I love Justin Rose. Was it him who was on that video after the Ryder Cup smashed? Yes. Out, just wobbling around. Oh, man. But all his, all his mates, they all had red golf bags with JR and all over it. They all had tailor-made clubs. He'd properly sort his boys out. That's good, that, isn't it? Yeah, like you would do. Of course you would. Like you're going to do with me with Triumph, yeah? How many do you want? I'll tell you what, take this one. I'll sort, I'll sort something else out. I want out. a sidecar. It would actually... I was talking to him about it. It would actually be really fun because you can buy, obviously, get a sidecar, but you can also get trikes, and you don't need a you know three wheelers. You, you don't need a bike license for those apparently. No. So if you can get a trike, I don't know. I don't, Triumph don't make one, but other brands do. But you get a trike, and you and I could go on a world tour of Cardiff, like Billy Connolly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hair blowing in the wind and all that stuff. So I didn't cover any rugby this weekend. You'd be probably didn't quite you? surprised to know. No, it was Welsh derbies, mate. They pulled out the big guns, didn't they? Holly, are you not the big gun? Shane Williams, Kerry Sweeney. No, he does. He does scrum five. He does the Premiership. No, who was it? You? Who was it? Who you said? Are you, have you pooed yourself on Twitter? Yeah, Sweeney. Was that Kerry? Yeah, Sweeney. Yeah, he did look like he'd done a poo poo, yeah. didn't he? 
Yeah, loves his fishing. Sean Holly looked like he was just about to do one. <laughs> <laughs> and Sweeney looked like he'd already done it. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, not a lot. Well, there you have. Um, last week, so when we, we podded with JT, didn't we, on Monday, um, I got a, a text from, um, you know, you know Duxy, my buddy from school. Yes. Lives Timothy. in Miami, Timothy. And he sent one, and he doesn't text after every pod. He texts a couple of times a year when he thinks a pod is particularly good. And he said that pod with JT was brilliant. Loved it. Yeah, it was, it was quite intense. It was quite serious. I mean, the funny thing about John Thomas is that he has a shave in the morning and by the evening, it's grown back into a beard. Yeah, he's incredibly manly. Yeah, he's like the bad guy of um, who's a guy who's got a cattle gun going around killing people. No country no, for all yeah, men. Yeah. yeah, Javier Bardem. Bardem. Or, yeah, he looks a little bit like him. But I had a couple of people text me to say Javier Bard up. Anyway. He, he, he loves to say yeah. Javier Bard up. Sorry. He loves to say yeah. JT. Like and everyone was texting yeah, me like. like that's it, right, that's like, it. That's like, it. Like and like. The thing is like. He's got an upside down smile, so he could be smiling at you, but his, his sort of mouth and lips are facing down. Smiles with his eyebrows and eyes. Yeah. I'm trying to do it now. Everyone's yeah, trying to do it. It was really interesting. A lot about concussion, a lot about the tackle area. So, hope you've enjoyed. Write a review. Yeah, for goodness for, sake. For Pete's sake. Who's Pete? Who is Pete? So, uh, Lecky. Um, yeah, so done that. That was nice. And then I went to uh, an event with Matt Powell, like a networking event in London on Tuesday night. Speed dating. Well uh, speed dating. That was that was good fun. And Wednesday I went I went for a lunch. Um I went for a lunch with again with Matt Powell. We went to the Special Forces Club in central London, which was really, really cool and heard from some really interesting people. Can't tell you who because it's Special Forces. Um Andy McNabb. <clears throat> Andy McNabb. No, I've also forgotten the guy's name. Chris Ryan. He was some. This guy was some big hitter in but Ant we, Middleton. Ant Middleton, yeah. But we Chris Packham. But we went. Um, Sandy Woodward. <laughs> but we <laughs> Admiral Sandy Woodward. We Sir went. Sandy Woodward. Shut up. Sorry. So that was a that was a that ended up being an all day and a bit of a nighter and oh, all that stuff was blooming lads. But it was it was half boys, half girls. Um, so that was really fun. And then on Thursday, I was around the same area. So I was on St James's Square in London at the. In and Out Club. Um, what do you do there? I do it every year, actually. A, com- Cokey, Cokey. a couple of friends of Mark Durden Smith's, um, Nick Affenwick and Charlie Myers, they have a company called Footprint Media. And what they're all about is sustainability in sort of packaging, in food, waste management, reducing waste, that sort of stuff. And it's one of those things that when you first read about what they do, you think, good effort, topical, People will like that. And then you start hearing the numbers that they've, the, the tons of plastics they've saved. Yeah. The numbers of one use, single use plastic cups they've removed, the, the reduction in food waste. It is unbelievable. Like millions of tons, you know, like it. So this, this is an award ceremony. We do it. We do an awards dinner every year for waste to zero, they call it. So you basically try and reduce your waste to zero. And it's a right little, it's a right laugh because I don't know anything about that. Right. But that's kind of why they get me there. And I'm really there because my, you know, I'm very, very environmentally friendly because I sometimes recycle my Costa cups. Um, Though coffee cups, a lot, I'm not sure about Costa, but the majority of coffee cups aren't actually recyclable because they've got a layer within the uh, the cardboard. Um, and you need vegware. You need vegware. It's really down to the manufacturers until there's laws that's put out there that says coffee cups have to be 100% recyclable. They're not going to do it because it's obviously correct, Tom part of a manufacturer's 
part, well, the manufacturer are there to make money. And if a, Correct, a cu- coffee cup is five, ten p more expensive, you know, when you're talking about the quality they and the quantity they do, it doesn't make sense, does it? So why would they? But I went. Um, I got myself really. Well, I stole it actually. But um, I was given a uh, reusable coffee cup, which I sometimes use at Costa drive-throughs now. Is it a which saves me fifty p? No, it's not. It's a generic plastic thing. Not plastic thing, a recyclable thing, obviously. Mm. Um, but anyway, that was that was good fun and finished up a bit late, so no chance for last trains. But on Friday, I was meant to go down to Bath against Chiefs because I was at home in Bath, but I didn't go. I watched it on telly. Um, so don't spoil I, it. I won't spoil it. Um, cracking game, actually. But I just, to be honest, boy, I just couldn't be bothered going down there. I was at home, just put the kids to bed. I was in my pants and I was like, I'm just going to watch it on telly. Rugby out, not rugby out. Just out. yeah. I mean, the thing is, you go down there because oh, flats, flats. Whatever box, you, whatever box you go into, because it's such a small place, you know everyone or yeah. know someone in every box. So you actually will chat for most of the game and not really watch it, and it's that which is good fun. But then I will have to go home and watch it again and watch it again, so I know what I'm talking about the next day. And I had an early start the next day because the next day was a busy one, Tommy. It was Channel 5's live game. Yes, the Rob Horn Day. Saints against Tigers, and <clears throat> it was a. Unfortunately, it wasn't a great game because it was absolutely hammering with rain. I mean, properly hammering. But I saw that yourself and Wayne Barnes were heading up with Mark Durden Smythe. Yeah, with Smytheson. W- Wayne, Wayne Barnes, part of the family now, isn't he? Yeah, he's in there, MLB he? management. He's in. So we had this thing. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I'm speaking out of school, but if I am, oh well. So we had this thing basically Friday afternoon. So, for, oh, by the way, um, a guy called Graham French, I hope he doesn't mind me saying his surname, but you remember a couple of months ago, sitting right here, Tommy, in this where, in this recording studio, I said, I've got a car that after the summer I wouldn't mind selling and I don't mind doing a bit of a deal on it because I can't be bothered doing it on the website and all that sort of stuff uh-huh, online. Uh-huh. Well, the guy bit, not bit, he said, I'll, I'll have a look at that. So I got a few little dings fixed on it, had it serviced and MOT'd and actually sold it to him on Friday. Really? Yeah, Graham came down from um, Midlands and bought the car. Took it for a test drive. Just before you carry on with your Friday, um, I do have to mention Michael Darren. Okay, so he was in Hawaii. This is a couple of weeks ago now. Um, he got married at the Grand Canyon and he was forced to miss a couple of weeks of Prem Rugby. Um, loves a podcast, um, but he wants a mention because it would make his honeymoon. Um, I'm not allowed to tell her that, but it would. He's shown commitment through our pod, and it would make his mate Chris Neal jealous. He's a huge fan. So um, how, how big is he? What a Michael Darren. How big is he? Uh, he's average. What average is, size. You said he's a huge fan. Yeah. Well, uh, he's sort of about my height, my build. So yeah, big guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, <clears throat> carry on. <clears throat> anyway, so did the live game? Yeah, Barnsley. Oh yeah, so Barnsley basically was the guest. And so that's a bit something original, you know. So a ref, on there, yeah. A ref having a guest, and I've I've been thinking for a while that so we basically had the idea, let's get Barnsley on our podcast. And then after we had the idea, we saw that Oogs and Jonesy had got him on the BBC, and it was like, oh, they've beaten us to it. But we will get him on at some point. Um, he's actually a very entertaining bloke. And suddenly Friday afternoon, I get the call from Michelle. Right, the RFU have said Barnsley can't do it. They've ruled him out. Yeah. And I like that is. I'm thinking that is ridiculous. Like I see, you know. That's just overly cautious, and that is a short-term view. You cannot rule out referees doing TV appearances. Look at Nigel Owens. He's one of the faces of Channel 4's European coverage. So 
I was like, this is crazy. The, the absolute worst case scenario is that JP Doyle, who's ref in the game, makes a decision and Barnsley disagrees with it and tells us why. No different from being a pundit, you know. So, well, he's just being a pundit, isn't he? So, anyway, last minute, I think Barnsley had to speak to a few people and they let him back in. But I made Michelle, our Michelle, I think I potentially made her look like a Muppet. Because she was like, because she, she's not a massive rugby fan. She's brilliant at her job, isn't she? She's brilliant at her job, but she's not a rugby keynote. She doesn't watch three games a weekend or six games a weekend like we do. Why would she? She's not signing players and recruiting, you know, so that's not her job. So um, she was like, who do you think would be good to replace Barnsley? Because it's last minute and I don't want to leave Channel 5 in the lurch. And Shanks. I said, I said Manu would be good. <sighs> I did say Shanks. Um, liar. I promise I did. I'll tell you, liar. No, they wanted someone from. You opened your mouth. <laughs> they wanted somebody from one of the two clubs. Is the thing. So I was like, "A oh, Manu would be good because yeah. Manu's injured. That'd be a great guest." So she rings up and suggests Manu, and they're like, "Yeah, Manu's starting the game tomorrow." He's playing. <laughs> so I was like, "I because it, it, this was just this was like Friday lunchtime, just after Friday lunchtime, and I hadn't the teams have been released, but I've been selling this car to this this couple, so I hadn't checked the teams. You've been drunk all week. <laughs> I've been drunk. So <laughs> I was a little bit actually. So I was I basically made Michelle look a bit of a Muppet when she's not uh, so as long as everyone knows that was my fault um, yeah Channel 5 live game Barnsley was really good except the, for some reason I couldn't hear brilliantly um, what? what? during half time I hadn't basically the, all the equipment was perfect but I hadn't turned my thing up enough you might need grommets mate I might have glue here it's a cauliflower thing isn't it so but Durders was asking questions and I could hear the questions but apparently he said Wayne Wayne, and I just butted in and answered both of Wayne's questions. And at the end, Derda was like, you have just answered both of Barnsley's questions. Can you please be quiet? I mean, to start with, Wayne. What sort of name is Wayne? I know. Like Gordon. Yeah, but he's from the Forest of Dean. Clive. Clive, yeah. Wayne. Norman. But he's from, my dad's called Graham. It's similar. It's not as bad as Wayne. But or Dwayne. Has there been a child called Graham in the last five years in the UK? There can't have been. It's like Aaron. Adolf. Died of death, didn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, Barnes, Barnes was really good, even though I stole his thunder a bit by accident. Um, Mike Hogg, well done. Oh, that's a nice bike. Cut a nice bikes. All right, lads, just leaving the car. All right, boys, see you, lads. Hogs, just brothers leaving the car park. Um, so, anyway, live game came and went. I think it went okay. I think it was nice. Uh, it wasn't a brilliant game. And then went down straight, literally ran to the car park, got in my car. Drove over to the stoop yeah, so I could get away quick. Second. Walked, walked, and drove straight to the stoop and did the whole highlight show from the stoop. Queens against Saris. Oh, rugby overload. Late finish. I'm trying to rattle through this for you now. Yeah, late, please do, mate. Late finish. Got in the car about quarter past, half past ten. Checked into my hotel in Royston, which is I think North Hearts near Cambridgeshire. Royston Vasey. Not Royston Vasey. Checked into my hotel at... It's Dave there. Midnight. Is that Dave? Got to bed about half twelve, and about half two, a um, war, a drunk, warring couple in the room next door had a massive row, woke me up and kept me awake, which is not easy to do. Did that, and they were... Not that it makes any difference these days, it's 2018, but they were the... Luckily, I wasn't with my children, because the argument was... The very thin walls in this hotel... The argument was very sexually explicit, oh. and it was two men who were the oh. couple, yeah. so a gay couple, and one of them was being was very offended. The other one wasn't, and he punched the other one. And I heard him; all this stuff started getting smashed. And I was like, "Right, I'm going to have to." But it turned out there were other people in there to calm it down. I was going to have to go around there and be boxers, and 
risk it all to save a life. And anyway, it was really sexually explicit. And I was like, this is actually not on because there will be kids in here. You should have videoed it or recorded it. I know, but I wasn't really aware because it was half two in the morning. So I woke up at half seven. You're not an opportunist. No, I went down to grab a fistful of um, pastries before. (laughs) A fistful of pastries and a coffee before I went off to do the thing I'll tell you about in a sec with Ugo Monia. And um, yeah, went down there and... This bloke walked out the room next to me exactly the same time at half seven in the morning, bleary-eyed, and he walked down in front of me, and I was like, I wonder if that's the guy who had this argument and was standing by the pastries, and the guy who had the argument had an American accent, so I was standing at the pastry thing, and I was just waiting, it's like, wait here to be seated, and I didn't want to be seated, and I went to push past him sort of thing, I was like, I'm not, I'm not staying, mate, and he was like, um, I don't think they're serving breakfast yet, so, and I was like, that's him, so I turned to him and said- It was said, Stephen uh, Hawkins? Yes. Uh, so I turned to him and said, um, a bit of a bust up last night, was it, mate? He went, um, it went all like, did you hear that? I said, yeah, we all heard it, mate. I bet you And he, he just like shrank into himself. Because I, obviously I won't say the stuff on this pod. Other pods might say what he was saying, but I'm not going to say that. But I was like, then I thought, I've actually... Did he say to you, are you a bear? <laughs> You're a bear. And I was like, um, so I was like, didn't know, didn't, unfortunately. So... I thought, I've actually, I've done this for my own amusement. I'm not actually angry about it because people have arguments when they're yeah. drunk. So I was like, I'm not angry about it, but um, I've made him feel really bad for my own amusement. And I just said, I, you know, we, I said, we all heard it, mate. And I just said, I hope it works itself out. No sweat. He's like, okay, sorry. And I was like, so he knows that we heard everything because it was, anyway, eight o'clock start, Royston Rugby Club, Ugo Monia with Quilter. We did this appearance with George and Tessa and the guys from Essentially and... It's one of these things, Tommy, that if you just scroll past it on Twitter or whatever, it will be, oh, look, Oogs and Flats doing another commercial appearance. Well done. If you actually listen and watch the content, the initiative, because lo- loads of these brands sponsor rugby, they start these initiatives. Cause, well, it's and a it, CSR for a lot of companies, isn't it? It's a so- corporate social responsibility for them. Yeah, but sometimes, mate, you know, you know what it's like, being honest. We turn up and we... We basically do a bit of work and you tick the box and leave and it's like everyone's ticking the box and they've got to do a bit of charity so they do it. This is one of those initiatives that every time you go to one of these rugby clubs, you're like, if there is no kid who would not benefit from being here, there is no kid. Like, it is prop- what these guys are doing is properly brilliant. So I do urge people to watch that. It makes no difference to me commercially if you watch it or not but, but you it, need reviewing figures but no we don't okay, no, but have a look at it because it is yeah. I won't go on and on about it but it's called Kids First it Quilter Kids First thing and it's just it is a brilliant idea and you always said you know you believe children of the future I've always said it treat them well and let them lead the let way let them lead the way yeah <laughs> hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, just before we get on to the rugby, uh, there's loads of rugby played over the weekend. There was internationals, Pro 14, as there is nearly every week. Gallagher. So Gallagher, yeah. I mean, every, every league played. I mean, I don't even know why I said that. Um, there yeah. was... A huge fight. Yeah, UFC. there were two huge fights. Actually, it's not UFC anymore, is it? Yeah, or it is. Yeah, yeah. UFC one thousand and fourteen. UFC two twenty nine. That's the one. Um, so it's Khabib against Conor McGregor, and I mean, basically, Car- it carnage. Was <clears throat> amazing fight, massive fight, because Conor McGregor kind of owns that sport um, PR terms. But he had not fought in a long time. No. But he's good enough that he can turn up and turn it on. Like me with touch rugby, yeah. I get he's you. probably I get you. Yeah, he's probably the greatest striker there's ever been in mixed martial arts. Better than um Chuck Liddell, the Iceman? Yeah. Chuck Liddell had a big punch that he was very, very good at finding a way to land, but Conor McGregor has the punches, the kicks, a range of a range of striking. Anderson Silva's probably a close second in his day, but McGregor is that good, but Khabib absolutely took him apart in the fight. I mean it was but that's not the point, is it? It's the fact that it completely went off afterwards. Well, there's be... two points. One is that McGregor taps and nothing happens, so he has to tap again. Yeah. Um, and... But he only tapped once, and I think I I felt like the first tap, he might have been trying to adjust something and struggling, but it didn't look like a definite tap out to me, the first one. Uh, it's a tap, though. You wouldn't do that unless you were tapping out. Why, no. why should you do that? You're not tickling him, are you? No. You're not saying, oh, mate, that's not tight enough. No, but in a game that, in a, in a fight that big, you've got to be absolutely certain he's tapping. Yeah. But anyway, it's only a couple of seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. He didn't die, um, but it was just a reaction then after, wasn't it, of uh, Khabib? Yeah, um, you can see he's pumped up for it. He's still got loads of energy left. He throws his gum shield at the Conor McGregor corner, and then he sees Conor McGregor's training partner, um, the jiu-jitsu coach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And decides that he's having it. You want some? Well, I didn't tell us. I think the the the. Jiu-Jitsu coach McGregor is shouting something back at him. Yeah, you don't know what's going on. You can't really hear the audio, but you can see a lot of footage. There's a lot of footage out there yeah. from either way. bird's eye view. But yeah. either way, he jumps over the cage. It all kicks off. And then you've got Khabib's corner. His corner men then jump in. Uh, one of them, three of them actually end up starting on McGregor. Yeah, one from behind. Oh, shocking, mate. One it of them shocking. jumps over the fence and king it to him from behind when he's already... Well, one of his trainers is trying to jump over the fence and he starts on McGregor. Then two others jump over the fence um, one throws a punch at him head on and then a guy in a red hoodie starts taking him from behind. So he's coming, you know, he's, he's coming from three ways. If it was me, you know, it'd be kiss, kiss, bang, bang. But <laughs> unfortunately, but, but, but I wasn't Mc, there. McGregor was tired. Just the problem is, <clears throat> so it was a great fight for starters. Khabib was immense. And well, was it a great fight? Or was Khabib no, just was dominant all the way through? Yeah, but McGregor landed some decent shots. But yeah, he was dominant. He controlled the fight. But he, you know, this is... 
This is an enormous fight for him. McGregor was leagues ahead of anyone they he's ever fought before. The biggest they've had in history. Yeah, it's an enormous occasion. Occasion. So to perform like that was astonishing. But um, it unfortunately is complete. It, this was the greatest moment of Khabib's career, and probably will be the greatest moment he ever has. And because of how much Conor McGregor, well, he offends the whole world the whole time, but the amount he offended him, talking about his religion, his family, things that are sacred his to father. Khabib, his father, sacred to his country, the, how personally he, you could say understandably, took that. Khabib couldn't let victory be enough. He couldn't let it go. And he jumped the fence, dived into him, basically booted a civilian, flying kicks, massive fights. It was just Isn't that horrendous. what boxers and fighters do, though? They're always trying to wind up opposition by... Yep. I mean, it's just part and parcel. I'm... I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know because I'm not a boxer, but surely a lot of it is tongue in cheek. Surely it's just trying to wind up opponents because you get this all the time, and then you, you know that people are, no, but pe- people are, 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 do get personal, but they they know it's just tongue in cheek. So at the end of the fight, they hug, and it's usually it's not taken to heart. But on this occasion, it was massively. It was massively taken, taken to, heart to heart by Khabib, and he lost, and, and he it, lost it, and has ruined the greatest moment of his career. And he does explain it in a press conference after about saying that how personal Conor McGregor was. But then at the end, he also says that his father's going to kill him because his father taught him respect. So he's sort of contradicting himself a little bit. Um, but he did fight bears when he was younger, when he was seven years old. Oh, there you go. Bears. But he, he, is, he is a phenomenon, as is Conor McGregor in his own right. But you just cannot you cannot behave like that after a fight it's ruined it it's a massive massive Joe Rogan the commentator said it's a black eye for the sport and it is hugely that is that's the most they say it's the most watched fight of UFC in the UFC of all time not they've been around for that long relatively but it's huge viewing numbers and that has happened and to say well it's the fight game sometimes that happens is not good enough it was shocking shocking and there is every chance Michael Bisping Said it. There's every chance. It's very hard to get a working visa in America. A green card. Yes. There's every chance he might. Well, there's three arrests after, wasn't there? Yeah, he, he might end up in proper trouble. He might end up not being allowed to yeah, work in maybe. the US. But I mean, how exciting is it going to be if they do decide and they do allow Keep to fight uh, McGregor again? It's yeah. going to be. It's going to be like Rocky Four. Yeah, but I think you. I, you think I the damage is done? No, there's no point because the, the fight was a. You, I think you you end up having. Yes, you want rematches that are commercially attractive and make money. But also, there's, there's no, there was he dominated the fight so clearly that actually McGregor doesn't deserve a rematch. Yeah. The only reason he gets a rematch is celebrity money, and I think money, yeah, which is which is fine as long as they're open about that. But in the fight, it was only one, one dominant party. Okay, we put that to bed. Did you start, did you stay up for it? Did you go through the night till seven a.m. Nah. to watch it? No, nah, me neither. I was listening to those lads scrapping next door, weren't I? Um, right, lots of rugby the weekend. There was the rugby championship, which was. Absolutely incredible. Wasn't it amazing? So, South Africa played New Zealand. Uh, that was the first game up in the afternoon on Saturday. And at one stage, South Africa were miles ahead. Mm. Incredibly. I, you know, like 840% possession Someone's well. probably going to correct me, but it was around like 31-7 up uh, around that figure. There's probably nothing like nothing it. Like but that. they were well up. 3-0. They three were nil. well up. And they were just... I mean, six all at half time, and it was all South Africa. But... Jesse Creel scored a lovely try. Delande, both centres scored. But South Africa were just running through All Blacks. All Blacks missed loads of tackles in that first half. And you'd think, right, Fafta Clerk again was amazing. Yeah. Pollard. Why do they it, take Fafta Clerk off? Yeah, not a clue. Not a clue. Don't he went it. off. So did LaRue. But without Pollard at 10, you know, South Africa, a total different team. You know, Jean Tees. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Jean Tees. Jean Tees. Um, 
is nowhere near the level. It's of not Pollard. the same league. No, no way. They look a total different team with Pollard under Clerk at nine and ten. But just shows you how good the All Blacks are. I mean, they lost a, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago against South Africa, and that was a bit of an upset. Don't chew gum, mate, because people have said about chewing gum on the have podcast. They, I'll yeah, put that, put that back. Put that back. Okay. Uh, but. They never, ever go up. And the All Blacks um, surveyor scores a try right at the end. What do you think he's going to do when he retires from rugby in terms of a job? Yeah, I don't know. It's might be in property, mightn't he? Anyway. Could be. Could be. Yeah. but that, um, I mean, that was... Yeah, I mean, there's quite something to win a game where the opposition are that dominant. And then Mwanga had a, had a kick to actually win it. But it was the clock was in the red. And, you know... South Africa really, really should have put New Zealand to bed. And I don't know whether they're just mm. a little bit overconfident or what, but you know, the main players actually get subbed off, the new players come on, and then they only need a little bit of a, a gap, New Zealand. They only need a sniff, and they just hands right round the throat, and they just choked out South Africa. And it was an amazing game right to the end. You know, it's enthralling to watch. I love watching it. And you think, right, that, what, that was a great comeback. You know, how can that comeback be any, any greater um actually i've just remembered it was the argentina australia game where south africa were uh, where um argentina were 31 7 yeah, yeah, yeah but south africa did have a lead i didn't want to say anything probably should have put it to bed no you didn't well done um but you think right how can how can you top that game and this one it was just yeah, unbelievable argentina 31 7 up half time just running tries game done it was game incredible done. start from an and australia you, you're thinking right this is it Check has gone. They've lost it completely. There's no, no one's playing with any f- smile on their face. They're not enjoying it. It's confidence just has gone. Getting hammered, but what a comeback after half time. You know they get a uh, kicks charged down right after uh, half time by um, Australia, and I, I can't remember who scored. It might have been Rhoda scores. I think it was. I think he charged the ball down, and then it's pops back up into his hands, he gets past to him and he scores on post and that's just the kickstart they need and all of a sudden then it's just relentless Australia. Yeah. And fair play to him, you know, imagine that change room at half time when you're 31-7 down to Argentina. Oh, brutal. I mean, but they did. Um, Falau, he scores with an amazing angle. Haley Petty scores. Pocock was just amazing all the way through as was Hooper. Just mm. link men providing mm. passes but unbelievable game. Just loved it massively and for those that haven't seen it make sure you watch the highlights um it's you love games that are, are, are close you love games that where teams are coming back from a massive deficit you don't even you know any supporter would have loved that game yeah apart from maybe if you're argentinian but yeah but even they would have even they would appreciate yeah yeah what a fantastic game it was but yeah phenomenal rugby i, I, th- I honestly think probably two years ago a little bit worried about Argentina and where they were because you didn't really see them progressing that much. You know, mm. they were they were sort of getting beaten well, hammered by the Southern Hemisphere teams quite regularly. And, you know, they'd have the odd win and that's yeah. the paper over the cracks. But at the moment, they are really looking like a, a top quality team, top four mm. team. Yeah, really hope so. Yeah, I do as well. Really hope that continues. But ama- amazing rugby, just bloody brilliant to watch. So if you, yeah, if you haven't seen it, Get into the highlights because it's fab. A couple of Welsh derbies on the weekend. Um, How them Scarlets, Scarlets do then? Scarlets Ospreys, they beat the Ospreys. Good on them, went all right, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, close game right to the end. I mean, the Ospreys probably and potentially could have won that. You know, they had all the possession in the first half, but didn't really do enough with it. You know, didn't score enough points and the Scarlets come back. They're, they are a great team, the Scarlets. You know, they, they find ways of winning. Um, but look, I don't think any team would be too disappointed. Ospreys, four from six, going into Europe now or the um, the 
Challenge Cup. Um, Scarlets have sort of found a, a knack of winning ugly at the moment, which is good. Um, they did it against Leinster. They've done it against the Ospreys. Well, we know they can win pretty. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's good. Good that they're finding a way to win otherwise. And when you got, yeah, when you got Fox in your team, no Fox, Fox. Yeah, but you get, you know, you're gonna. Fox wasn't playing at the weekend. No. But when you got Fox in your team, you're gonna win pretty sometimes. But also, you got a bit of rough out there, haven't you? Yeah, you have. And you know, Reese Patchell goes off with a head injury, but he actually manages to come back on and he passes his test. Blake Thompson, right? He's one to look out for the future. I'm oh, yeah? pretty sure he's, he's Kiwi, but um, there might be a little bit of Scottish in him. He's back rower. Um, just who would you compare him to? He's he's really athletic, like a bit yeah. like I suppose Tamara Harrison, that yeah, type yeah. of player. Yeah, um, really good in the loose, really fast, really good link play as well. Um, he's been phenomenal for the Scarlets this season. But Fonatia's finding his feet as well. He's come from the Ospreys and. He didn't. It didn't quite work for him at the Ospreys, but he's come to Scarlets, and it sort of suits his his style of play. Yeah. Um, you know, really, really skillful, and I think you didn't. We didn't see that enough in the Ospreys, but now he's. he's How did Hadley Parks go at the weekend? Yeah, good, good, solid. Um, very good organizer, very good defender, makes yeah. quite good decisions. Johnny McNichols really good on the wing. Um, Was he? Yeah. Love watching him play, and and Tom Pridey, another one who a bit of a blast from the past. Really, he got yeah. capped really young, went to the Dragons, and. Um, Again, he's. It takes that sometimes, doesn't it? It takes a change of club to actually, yeah, to actually find your confidence, I suppose. And um, it's not when you went back to Cardiff. I mean, it? he's keeping he's keeping Steph Evans out of the team at the moment. Steph Evans, who was you know we talked about him last year and the year before, the kiddie about what a great player he was, and um, is, he, and he's not getting any first team action at the moment. Um, yeah. uh, Watkins at twelve. Um, Owen Watkins might not start too much for Wales, but. He's certainly got what it takes, I think. Mm. He's been capped a couple of times. and You know, you get capped four or five times, your confidence starts to grow a little bit. You start yeah. feeling a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. And that's really, really coming through for the Ospreys. Um, and the Ospreys, they lost Dan Evans really early on, so um, he didn't play, so James Hook steps in at 15. Um, but Morgan on the wing. Uh, yeah. He played at the sevens. Real, real live. Every time he gets the ball, Luke Morgan, you just think... Something's happening. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that was good but the, then the Dragons and the Blues Dragons started really well and every, we're talking about the Blues about their attack because they've got Holohulu and Ray Lilo um, Gareth Anscombe at 10 and everyone was talking about how creative the Blues will be but it was actually the Dragons that started off really the best and you're sort of thinking half time you know the Blues are going to struggle but mm. they get it together second half Owen Lane I think we'll see him feature in the Autumn Internationals he's a winger he burst onto the scene really last year, played a little bit at the sevens. Um, Alex Cuthbert is ineligible to play, so I think we'll see a bit of Owen Lane. Scored a couple of tries, finishes off really well. Strong runner, really strong, fast, aggressive, hungry, Good. exactly Good. what you want. Good. Um, and they finished the game really strongly. And a big chat at the moment is who's going to be playing 10 for Wales. Now, you've got Reese Patchell. You've yep. got uh, Dan Bigger, who's playing down at Northampton. But hasn't probably settled in as fast as he would have liked no to, i don't think down there no. and we know what a class player is but it's not everything hasn't run that smoothly and a lot of it you know it's not all down to him or it's a lot of it is the team it's down then to the style of play they've barely been on the front foot since he arrived yeah i know pretty but, difficult but gareth anscombe okay so he um jared evans was going to start at 10 a few weeks ago but he pulled out and gareth anscombe then moves from 15 to 10 and you just can't drop him at the moment just looks too good. He, he is just too good at 10. 
Um, massive, huge running threat. Really, really pacey. I know he, he moves to 15 uh, towards the end of the game. But I think at the moment, I put it out there, mate, he's the number one 10 in Wales at the moment. You saying that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I like and that. And that is... That's still that stuff. That's a Pro 14 in a nutshell. I mean, you don't want to know about Leinster being Munster, do you? No, nah, I mean, not bothered, mate. if you do. No, nah, not bothered. Um, there was actually one massive incident uh, the weekend, and that was Ulster Connaught. says, red card for Maddie Ray. Um, yeah. Takes out one of the, Ulster, uh, the Connaught players in the air, looking at the ball, but doesn't get off the ground. And there was a lot of controversy over whether it was a red, whether it was a yellow. It has to be a red. If you're not getting off the ground anymore, you've got... Judy care for whoever's going in there. You you have to know. You have to expect someone is going to be jumping for that ball. You have to get off your feet. You have to get in the air. If you don't, and the player lands awkward and it was horrible fall, you're going to get red carded. That is just it. Yep, game over. That's just the way it is now. Yep, game over. Um, English Prem. Yeah. So it's... let's start with um, Bath Exeter Friday yeah. night. Amazing game. And the reason I found it so interesting was um, Bath rested a load of guys. You had a load of big players, first choice players rested for a week or some of them even two weeks before that game so this was it this was we are throwing everything at Chiefs and didn't they just throw everything at them they were so physical in the first half was first half was brutal and you think Do you know it. what Chiefs might be getting beaten up a bit here but you never quite see them give in and guys like Harry Williams I thought was good load of penalties in the in the scrum for Chiefs against Bath in the first half some of them fine some of them I probably wouldn't have given but there you are or might have given the other way that's not the point. The point is they found a way to win penalties and get territory, even when Bath were getting up in their faces and battering them at times. And guys like Harry Williams had a really good game, but guys like Karen Dickey, yes, he got belted a couple of times, but he kept carrying. Ewers, Armand kept carrying. Stu Townsend, I thought, was great, just hard as nails at nine, making tackles. Scored a terrier, any mate? Scored a nice try. Punchy Stu. He's just a hard bloke, and you know, carrying when he had to, stepping up. I just thought this is Chiefs just do not look rattled at all. And most teams would have been rattled by how physical Bath were. Chiefs way off their best and they come away thirty nine points, wasn't it? Yeah? I know. Can I just say one points. thing about um Ian Witten? Yeah, he's a horse. He is a, he finished that what strength to finish off that try. Yeah. Massive. But doesn't really like Oba don't sound too disrespectful to him because I think he's a really good player, but doesn't really do anything uber flashy. No, does but, nothing uber flashy, I'd say. But runs incredibly hard, knows his strengths exactly. He's he's a lot faster than people make out and people think. Um, but so strong, he's an ox, mate. Um, I actually had a, a mate text me, a mate outside rugby, an MOR. Really, I think he's really underrated. I agree, and said, is Ian Witten faster than he looks? Because he looks slow. One of my Weirdly, one of my buddies, Nick, texted me that. Yeah. And I said, actually, he is a lot quicker than he looks. He's just so big and chunky. I mean, he's the size of a decent-sized back rower. Yeah. He's a big guy. So, you know, he's and I think he's actually often a very important player for them. So I was really, really impressed by Chiefs because, I mean, the best part of 40 points they score away to Bath. Bath are rested. They're flat out up for it. They're super well prepped. They're really physical. And they ended up blowing them away. Like, it's just Cochran Singer didn't get hardly any ball. Sorry, Thocken Singer. He looks an absolute weapon when he gets that ball in a bit of space. Bath didn't find a way to get him much ball or Rocco. What I thought was really clever as well was um, Stu Townsend because Bath had run a move where they went down the right-hand side. It was a bit of a dummy run um, through to Burns. Burns collects the ball back off a a blocked runner um, and Bath end up going down the right-hand side wing. They do it again. Stu Townsend intercepts, goes under. And, you know, 
just clever play. Bright, yeah, just bright. And I just, it, I thought it was really interesting because Chiefs were just absolutely not permitted to play how they want to play. Mm. And they still scored a bonus point away from home and 39 points. I mean, against a really good Bath team, actually. I, I thought in attack, Bath just didn't, frankly, didn't offer enough, really. They weren't threatening enough. But when Chiefs had the ball, Bath were bashing them. Do you think uh, Bath are, are massively missing Jonathan Joseph attack-wise? Um, or do you think he wouldn't make too much of a difference because they're not getting probably as great front football as they'd hope? Yeah, I think I think it's pretty difficult for not having JJ not to make a difference. I think he makes a big difference. Who do you think makes a difference of 10 more? Uh, Priestland or, or Burns? I think if, you, if your pack's going well, and yes, the scrum wasn't brilliant in the first half for Bath in terms of penalties, but if your pack is going well and driving well, I think Freddie Burns offers more creativity. I think he's much harder to play against. What I always think, you, you want your fly half to do basic stuff well repeatedly. Like someone like Dan Carter did some wonderful stuff and Johnny did wonderful stuff, but actually they did basic stuff. They're just a really low error count and really high just quality. Want the pass in front of you. You want the right option just, taken. Uh, yeah, repeatedly high, repeated high quality execution of simple skills makes separates the very best fly halves from mere sort of decent pros. And I just think at the moment, you know, Bath just don't have that. There's always an error waiting for them there and I, I just think when the when the pack's going well I think Freddie Burns is more threatening I think it's harder to play against um, so I think Bath, lo- Bath lost a bit there but I just it was just it wasn't really about Bath it was about Chiefs getting battered and still scoring 40 points I mean like Roper Dope wasn't it you know the Chiefs were on the back foot the whole man. way uh, in that first half really and then he just and before the Henry Slade break people didn't spot this I don't think someone else I think Charlie Morgan yeah, spotted it on just... Twitter but Henry Slade chips the ball up into his own hands before that 60, 70 metre break. It's amazing. So if you get a chance to have a look at that on Twitter, have a look at it. But it's a, it's a fascinating game. Uh, we- so Quinn's Saracens then? I'm going to go so far as to say, Tommy, that that was the most intense game of Premiership rugby I have witnessed really? physically. Yeah. The whole game's gone soft thing doesn't quite work when you watch that. It was absolutely brutal. And I had an interesting chat with one of the Saris lads afterwards. Um, and I said, you look like you were loving that, you lot, because you can see George and Vunapola and Farrell and the guys actually just smiling and loving the intensity during it because Quinn's properly brought properly brought the physicality and their eyes were wild. Look at Marla's eyes 20 minutes in. They were just mad for Saris. And, um, and they said, well, that's this Saris player after the game said to me, well, we had a chat and thought that is how they've beaten us the last three years here because they got under our skin, got in our faces, got under our skin. And we said, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy that brutality like we would at test level. And they looked like they loved it. Harlequin's back row had to make some tackles, though, didn't they? Seven plus, I think. It was just unbelievable. But for Saracens, when you've got a player, I always reckon like Lazowski in there, a player that can play 10, 12, 13, 15, it's just invaluable because injuries will happen. Mm. He might not start every single game. Doesn't matter. But he's got the quality to play anywhere in that back line. And play it well. You know, you lose someone like Brad Barrett, who is a massive cog in the way that Saracens play. You're placing him with a like-for-like player. And that's anywhere around the field. You've got Good at 15. Is there a better player in England at 15 at the moment? Possibly not. Does it mean he'll get a shot with England? Possibly not. Um, but then you've got players like Tompkins, who can also fit in. Dave Strettleback. Look, you've got Farrell at 10. And I'm sort of coming along the way of thinking that Maybe Farrell is the best England 10. And I know George Ford and Farrell played 10 and 12 through that unbelievable run that England had. But at the moment, you know, especially if, say, your pack 
isn't functioning. Your England pack possibly isn't functioning like it's it. not dominant. It's yeah. not dominant. Therefore, do you need a ball player at twelve? Because you know Saracens, Exeter, the two best teams in the Premiership, they don't have a second ball player really at twelve. They've got mutes. And I suppose if you play Farrell at ten, it opens up for the likes of Tulangi, Tio, and then you've got Slade, Daly out wide. So it yeah. gives you other options. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting really to see Eddie Jones's type of thinking because that is sort of stems, you know, the way you play stems from your coach. And if Eddie Jones wants to play a wide attacking game, then probably Farrell uh, at 12, forward at 10 will work. But yeah. but in order to play wide, you know, you need front football and possibly not getting that. It'd be interested to see who they pick as captain for England as well. But it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think they... I've just said it's interesting. You can't, just said, you can't say it's interesting after I've said it's what's interesting. What's also interesting is, you know, on the front foot, I mean, let's just rule Cipriani out of the equation because it seems that Eddie Jones just doesn't like him, right? So let's say he's not there. On the front foot with a dominant pack, George Ford is the man in that squad. He is brilliant. He can play some genial stuff. On the back foot or off steady ball, I think you're just going to spend, at the moment, this England pack looks like, I'd love to be proven wrong, but looks like it's going to spend less time on the front foot than required for George Ford to be as genial as he can be. Now, that then comes back to then maybe Farrell is your better bet because he's you know, he's not an Andy Goode player, but Andy Goode was bloody handy when you weren't on front foot balls and get you out of anywhere. I reckon like, Goody would be amazing for just morale in the team as well. Yeah, make everyone feel fit and lean as well, which is handy. But it, then you start talking about your selection in the forwards and you think there are some proper dominant forwards out there that aren't being picked. Guys like guys like Don Armand, I was beat the same drum that everyone's been beating for two years. You was? You as you, but you want big dominant carries up the guts, honey badger style. Yes. And look at the carries on Friday night in the second half of that game. And they, lad, those ex Chiefs lads them. were just brutal, man. Just look at them. Look so you want to get on the front foot. Pick players that are going to get you on the front foot. That's that's the idea. So I think if you're going with, you know, reasonably passive players in ball carrying terms, Billy aside, then you probably won't end up keeping George Ford at ten. Possibly not. Worcester Bristol, right? Fifty-two-seven. Amazing. 31-7 half-time, and Bristol started well. And we we spoke to John Thomas last week, and he said, you know, people get a little bit of the wrong idea of Bristol because they see them just as this all-attacking team when, you know, they do have a massive focus on set-piece. They do have a kicking strategy. Yet you said it to me off-air, Dave. We didn't see that kicking strategy really yesterday. Don't tell anybody what I say off-air. Okay. No, it, 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 it was You also the... went for a massive poo not true. I've never done it through. So, it's interesting, Tom. I said it's interesting. You can't keep saying it's interesting. I've said it I'm once I'm only today. saying it because it annoys you. It's funny. Uh, we didn't see it. And a, a buddy of mine who works, he works at Worcester Warriors, so he's not part of the coaching staff or anything like that or the playing team, but playing staff. But he works there on the staff. And he said, you know, he said, am I right in thinking it's madness that they don't kick the ball? Basically, they don't have a kicking strategy. And I said, I think you're right. I think you're dead right. You have to be an expert to see that. And you land yourself in trouble. And they did start really well with Jan Thomas combining with Jack Lamb. Great hit on Jack Lamb by Bryce Heem, by the way, who was superb again, Bryce Heem. Started really nicely with that Jan Thomas try, but actually then they just got completely blown away. Worcester looked really cohesive, really sharp, physical, fit. Chris Pennell was great. Shonut was great. And Ryan Mills, what do you say about Ryan Mills being that England squad? Um, if I was... An Englishman, I support England. I'd, I, you wouldn't have a problem with, with that, really, because he's got the full package. Really, he can play it tight. He can hit angles. He can tackle. 
um, solid in defence, but also you know you got a ball, an extra ball player as well. Um, because yeah, you, the, you, need, you need, I reckon you need at least two in your team. Whether it's twelve, whether it's fifteen, whether it's at thirteen, you need someone that's comfortable slotting into that ten position. Because when your ten's not there, you need someone that actually wants to fit into that position. Because a lot of players will sort of end up keeping the width because they're not as comfortable passing and uh, and running in that ten chance because it's different you know you don't have much time you know you've got to go forward in that ten position because you've got to hold defenders you can't yeah. just crab across you've got to be a good passer you've got to be a good organiser you've got to be a good scanner because when you're in that position you've got to be looking left you've got to be looking right you've got to be seeing where the space is uh, and he does cover that um, classy player he is, he is classy player but it's really difficult in those situations especially when you're sort of three tries behind Bristol and you've got when you're three tries behind say you've got to start forcing it because the kicking strategy just won't work possession and territory just won't work you have to score tries so you have to force a ball and unfortunately Bristol got themselves into a situation where the more they tried the worse they got yeah and Worcester were just there to pounce and sometimes the stars are aligned in a game when everything works for you and Nothing works the opposition. It was just one of those games for Worcester where... Oh, that four and three, Chris Pennell's hands to him yeah, just works. You know, another day it does. doesn't work, does it? It does. Um, you know, Bristol were missing a lot of tackles. They were, three or four players were getting stepped. And, you know, it does happen in sport. You just hope from Bristol's uh, perspective they can just bounce back. It'd be one of those where you look at the um, the, analyst, the analysis of the game, it's such a hard word to say, uh, and you just try and sweep it under the carpet get it to the back of your mind because you can't keep you can't dwell on a result like that you really have to look at yes look at what you did what you did wrong but it has to be wiped from your your brain otherwise it will affect your confidence yeah it, it's an but what i would say is there is a deeper issue there with bristol in that i i just think they play with the ball too much and you know i i just think they it's too simple to say they don't kick enough but i think they don't put <clears throat> They only seem to have one route to field position and that seems to be running the ball and I think it's exhausting and it means when you do relinquish the ball, which happens to every team, the lads are knackered and they're often out of position and you're really, you're really kind of susceptible to decent counter-attack and Worcester just shredded them. Marco Mama had a good game, his try was really nice, lovely bit of footwork. Nick Shona, excellent again, I might have already said that, but I think he's a top player. I just Worcester looks super sharp. When you think the, the context of this game is everyone's, not everyone, a lot of people are saying it's going to be Worcester or Bristol that go down. I'm, you know, it's way too early to say and predictions mean nothing at this stage, but I still think Bristol are going to be going to struggle to stay up because I think they do have the players to stay up. I don't think their first team looks as good as Brist- as Worcester's first team. People are talking about Sale and Quinns. I think they've got too many good players to be relegated and I, I still feel like Bristol are favourites to go down and it, it's partly, it's it's a lot to do with the way they're playing and they play some great stuff and they've got some really good players, but they just don't seem to basically respect field position enough in the premiership. I hate using like catchphrases and stuff, but only time will tell. <coughs> uh, right. Northampton Leicester. Uh, now you're at the game. Uh, weather played a huge factor in that. Yeah. Um, it sort of killed the game a little bit, but yeah. we talked about him a little bit when I did the Anglo-Welsh last year, when I had a job on TV. I don't anymore because they stopped doing it, but Jonah Holmes, we saw him a lot. And he's sort of made a massive step up really now to the first team. And I know there's injuries. I know um, he's sort of, he's probably not a fully established player there yet. But, you know, they certainly have no quarrels with putting him in when it matters because he was very good at the Especially weekend. Especially on 15, he was great. And Ben Kay, 
I think mentions in commentary. Um, although I did watch Channel Five, obviously, yeah, thank uh, you. I watched the highlights again just to remind myself. But uh, when you're when you're a back three player, uh, you know you want one on ones. When you see a one on one, you know you're using footwork. You're there to kill. That's why you're on the wing. And that, you know there to score tries. But he links so well with Ben Youngs, puts it inside mm-hmm. because there there is, you know, there is this opportunity to go yourself and be the hero. But you know you're not bigger than the team. Puts it back inside of Ben Youngs, but also ends up. Um, there was a crossfield kick, wasn't there? And that ends up going. Well, that, that's the Ben Young's Yeah, that's choice. the Ben Young's it's just loose. And you just think, what, why, why, why take that option? From why would Saints take that option in the rain? It's like if you've got a, someone who's aerially dominant against a midget on the far side, but they've got Thompson and Jonah Holmes over there. Both are big men, good in the air. It's not an option for me. It's not. It's an option. It's more of an attacking option, I think, than just putting it up in the air. Because you know, if you do have someone good and in the air that can snap it out of the air you, you're right though it's about knowing your position and knowing who's out there but bigger puts it across field kick it's not really well contested it's not a great kick and what that kick does leave you to is it leaves you with a massive hole behind because if players have gone up to challenge that you need cover behind because if that ball is grabbed out the air it can often be a run in it and it wasn't grabbed cleanly but it was an amazing offload by thompson yeah um a phenomenal offload, actually. You know, you look at that in the replay. He does so well. Such an instinctive skill, that is, just to free his arms to know that Jonah Holmes is there. I mean, we see so many times when a crossfield kick goes like that. Sometimes the opposition score. But a lot of the time, the defensive team can score as well because there's a yeah. huge gaping hole behind. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a good win by, by Leicester, that's for sure. Northampton still not really clicking, I don't think. No, um, no, they're not really. And not yet. I mean, they've certainly got the t- they've got the squad, they've got the players too, but it, it just hasn't happened yet. But you look at you know it's, they've they've spent all this money on Dan Bigger because he's a wonderful player, but he hasn't really been on the front foot yet. And to that no. end, we don't we don't really know because the pack hasn't really dominated yet. We don't really know what Saints are all about under Chris Boyd. We hear great things about Chris Boyd, and I hear things on the quiet about him that say he's a very good coach and a very good human being, which is great news for Saints. But if you're on the back foot because you're, you're, you know, your front five and your front eight are struggling, it doesn't really matter how good your coaching is because that's not what you prepare for. So I think they, I don't know, got a bit of work to do up front, I think. So what's Gloucester, right? You just knew. Cipriani. You knew he was going to have a good game. Just for Dye I've Young. yet to see many, many games where a player has left the club and then when they play in them the following year has a stinker. They normally up your level. I don't know what it is, just players do, because they've got a point to prove, haven't they? Yeah. A point to prove of, you know, it could be why you let me go or, you know, I've left, this is how good I am. Yeah. So in front um, of Die Young, Sippers put on a show, didn't he? He did. He really did. Um, Ghosting through. But, I mean, he was given a huge amount of space. And I think Glo- Gloucester was superb. Um, but in a in a nutshell... And what Wasp did some lovely stuff too. My Dan Robson try at the start was just fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was lovely. Super sharp. And Elliot Daly's try was found a nice hole, loads of space. But I just think with Wasp have got to be harder to score against. And it's stating the obvious, but we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the driving mall. It was too easy to score against them. And this time it was just, if you look at Cipriani ghosting through, making that break from his own 22, you know, it's just, and he, then he pops it back inside, doesn't he? I he love sort of, that kick bit of interplay and the chip to the right and it's one of those things that I think it was Mark Durden-Smith says to me well it was a decent kick wasn't all that special was it I said well why is no one else doing it then it's what I keep saying about Cyprian no one else is doing that no one takes risks because that is a risk because that ball could go anywhere but he is he's very good what I will say he's very good at kicking under pressure 
whether yeah. it's a crossfield kick, whether it's a grubber through, yeah. there's not often any mishits. And there wasn't. It, I mean, you know, you, Velikot really had to concentrate to pick that one up, mine, because yeah. Pelledri missed one. Yeah, he did. Early, and, in, but, early in half. But, but um, they, were, they were just given too much room. But also, like, Sharples, you know. It, still quick. Still <laughs> quick. Still got it. Still has really good support lines. And, you know, the guy hits open space. It's, he is a difficult one to catch. Yeah, very, very fast. And Odd-shaped yeah. head. <clears throat> Odd-shaped head, yeah, maybe. But it, but just given way too much space. And you think, well, Cipriani's sort of excitement and adrenaline levels were obviously spiked for that game <clears throat> for obvious reasons. But actually, the Wasps' excitement levels didn't correspond, you know, in terms of trying to close down Cipriani and keep a lid on him because he was just given way too much room and it, they made it look a bit easy for him at times, I thought. Yeah. Still got to go and score and make the breaks, and he did that very nicely. But that's a heck of a win that for um, for Gloucester. And I think Wasps are going to struggle to be top four if they don't become harder to score against. No matter what players you've got in attack, you cannot concede that many points. Just briefly, can you touch on me? I mean, Sale Newcastle. Sale Newcastle. Yeah, twenty points to seven. I mean, it wasn't really a cracker first half. Newcastle winning seven points to three. Don't end up scoring any points in the second half, which will be. A worry. Yeah, not not a great game of rugby, that. Um, but good news for Sale. And mm. Van Rensburg scored a lovely try through the middle. A little bit of magic, bit of power, bit of gas. Bruin Evans, lovely, well-worked try down the side. I thought he had another good game. He's a really good player. But, geez, I mean, what? it wasn't... When I, You know, I often say, it was interesting. It wasn't that interesting. It was kind of a game, another game, what happened. And Sale just needed to win. And Newcastle, I think, are... Actually, flat. They're playing some good stuff. They didn't play much brilliant stuff at the weekend, but they've been playing some good stuff and losing because they had a really tough start in terms of fixtures. But that's all well and good saying that because it's true. But then when you start playing teams who are closer to respectfully your level, you've got to produce the same level of rugby and you've got to start winning. And they so they're bottom of the log now, and yeah. that is you and know they, you know they had a strong team out as well. So not he played, Gonover played. Yeah, and they were top four. Don't forget they were top yeah. for a top four team. You bottom the league, boy. Colouring your voice there. That's what yeah, it's called. No, yeah. Um, right, mate. We've been on. Not even, yeah, I shouldn't really call you mate, should I? No. Use it too often. Mate. Bro. We've been on for a while now. Right, let's so go. Let's go. We'll on. have to kill the jokes. They'll, we'll have to release them next week. Next week. Um, please make sure you try and get down to the Esquire Townhouse on Thursday. Keep an eye out on Twitter for the Breakfast Live pods we're doing on the 10th and the 24th of November. We want to see you there uh, and review the show. Give us five stars. Otherwise, um, oh, oh, just quickly. Yeah. I gave the cut, which is Ian Carter and Andrew Cotter's golf podcast, a review. I gave him five stars. Was it good? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, and nice. I know Andrew Cotter's a secret listener here. Never really has the guts to leave a review or tweet us about the podcast. But I know you listen, mate. Gutless Cotter. I know you, are. Gutless Cotter. Should we get yeah. him on one day? Let's get him on. Give it a year or so till, he's, till he knows what he's doing on the mic, you know. He grows his hair back. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 